you are not paid to be an expert. You are paid to solve a problem. And thinking that you need to be an expert to sell is what's keeping, it's, it's one of the cornerstones that keeps someone's, someone broke. I used to think the same. There's a lot of broke, brilliant people out there. It has nothing to do with being an expert. It has everything to do with knowing with ridiculous clarity the problem you solve and being able to explain it better than everybody else. So you have a passion for fitness and the desire to start your own business, but launching a massively successful fitness business is extremely complex. The systems, operations, hiring, firing, coaching, sales, and marketing are critical to success. Where do you even start? This show will give you the answers. Here is Pedros Koulian and Bryce Henson, your hosts of the Fitness Franchise Podcast a show dedicated to helping fitness entrepreneurs launch and grow successful gyms. Welcome back, friends, to another incredible episode. And before we get into today's content so we can help spread this message and help more people, please go ahead and like and subscribe on YouTube and write us an all-star review on iTunes so we can keep providing you this content for free. So now to the show and for today's guest who is a marketing expert and has an incredible rap sheet. So here we go. Now for two years, Steve J. Larson was the lead funnel builder at ClickFunnels for Russell Brunson, making a name for himself in the internet marketing world. Now eventually, Steve left to start his own company. And just 13 months later, he went on to score his own two comma club award when his business crossed the $1 million mark. And seven months later, he then earned his next million, followed by another million in just one day. Now he has hot four highly successful podcasts, include Sales Funnel Radio and Launch for Profit, which seats the finer points of marketing, offer creation, and most importantly, internet cash flow strategies. Now Steve is passionate about improving the economic confidence of entrepreneurs through capitalism, and him and his team do their part by helping entrepreneurs design and launch wildly lucrative offers online. Steve Larson, my friend, welcome to the show. Super pumped to have you. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Really appreciate it. Oh, well, great. Well, lots to cover today. And before we do, I would love for you to share your, your backstory with our audience. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's so funny. I was on a stage and they're like, I have so many origin stories. I'm like, yeah, really all of us, we have a thousand backstories, you know. Uh, but I, I, the one that everyone knows me for, though, is I was broke in college and I couldn't feed my ex-wife. You know, I, it's not that we were starving, but this is really tight. It's crazy um, how broke we were. I started learning how to go sell stuff and every one of my ideas had to do with the internet. I ended up working for Russell Brunson, which is crazy and was never part of my plan, but uh, I was blessed to go sit next to him and we're still crazy good friends. Uh, you know, I worked for him for two years and sat literally next to him in the same room for those two years. And we built a lot of funnels. And you know, it was the point where ClickFunnels, right before they hit their big like hockey stick growth. And so I got a really unique um, viewpoint on, on how different strategies they did to grow that software so fast. Um, it's also a very entrepreneurial environment though. So after a while I was like, dude, I have to go on my own. Like as cool as this is and as shocking as I was to most people, I needed to leave. And so I decided since I'm a marketer, how can I leave in the most dramatic way possible? So I left on purpose without a product, without a funnel, without any revenue so I could document my exit because I thought that'd just be sick. So. It was so stressful. I do not recommend anyone who's watching listening to this now to do that. But it was only because I, I was very, you know, versed in internet sales already by that point. So ended up leaving. And uh, yeah, it's gone really well. It's been three and a half years. We built our own big studio and event center. And it's been awesome. It's been a really fun journey. 
Awesome. Well, I'm excited to dive in. I know Pursuit of Profit is the name of the company you started, right? Yeah. So we're going to dive into that, but let's face it, uh, at least, Steve, how I first met you is because of a Click sub, uh, ClickFunnels subscriber. I'm reading all the content. I've been in this world from afar for a while. Ended up reading Traffic Secrets, which we were just talking offline. I think I've read that book 15 times when Russell <laughs> talks about you, you know, attending one of the, the, the conferences and, you know, you being so resistant to basically starting your own show or publication, and then you did. So if you could just kind of story tell a little bit about, you know, that specifically and just want to, you know, hear a little bit more about, you know, your role in ClickFunnels. It's not that I didn't think publishing and consistently telling your stories and all that stuff was was not correct. It was more that when I was in high school, dude, I was so shy. I don't know if it was shy. I was just not confident. I was very quiet. I, I actually had a legitimate fear of adults. And um, I would see an adult down the hall and I actually would walk the other way. I don't know what it was. Um, weird childhood crap there. Um, and so the whole, I mean, I felt really unqualified. Like, I can't get on a podcast. I can't get on. A, there's no way. And we've done 14 events now in three years. I mean, I do a lot of events. Um, there's no way I'd be doing any of that. And one of the reasons I feel such affinity for it, publishing is because it taught me my own voice. Um, so the first time I ever heard Russell say, you got to start publishing, I was actually, I was in the Army. I was becoming an officer. And I was in college still. And um, we were doing these sprints, you know, just sprints around the track and just death sprints, just so many sprints. And... Uh, it was back in the days when Periscope existed. And so I went and uh, I saw Russell, you know, chirping, whatever, like, hey, Russell's Periscope. So I pulled it up and he's always like, I'm going to change all of your lives. All of you publish every single day for the rest of your life. And I was like, screw that. <laughs> Click. <laughs> Just like, there's no way I'm doing that. That is, that is no. And so I uh, went back to sprinting. That was funny enough, less painful. So. When I got hired there, which surprised me, I did not, that was straight miracle. Um, but when I got hired there, it was like, I was watching him, you know? And at that point already, even then, there's probably 15,000 users of ClickFunnels at that time. So, I mean, it's not that they weren't unproven, but it was not this massive hockey stick thing that happened later. But even then, it was like, million, yeah, still a hundred million dollar company already by that point, you know? and and. and so I sit down next to him and like, I'm his funnel guy, right? And I'm sitting there and I'm building these funnels and I'm like, what is he doing while I'm building the funnels? And he's there promoting, you know, and he's, he's, he's doing podcasting and he's doing all the stuff that he's been telling everyone else to do. He practices what he preaches. And after all, I was like, I gotta keep, I gotta, I gotta try this. So I started my first podcast show probably about four months in and it was so freaking scary to me that I wrote every episode you can hear me reading because i am like <laughs> the first 20 episodes of that show the content is good the delivery is garbage <laughs> it's like but i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna delete him one day i walked into russell's office and he goes how you doing i was like good i just listened to this this podcast from somebody else and they said you should go delete your worst performing content so like I, I have you ever listened to the first 20 episodes of your podcast man and, he, and russell looks at me and goes yeah dude, dude don't, don't ever do that it's terrible <laughs> i said i think i'm gonna delete it and he's not a confrontational dude unless you wrestle him you know and he looks right at me and he goes no like like yells and i was like Whoa! like <laughs> this is not normal behavior for russell brunson and um i was going to my desk which is next to his and he goes he slapped his desk and he goes no that's how they knew you were human once and i was like oh super key moment and so all the crappy content i've always left up as well but that right there did multiple things first it taught me my own voice and then the second was it started bringing to me an audience and uh in that order 
and I didn't realize the power of publishing, what it would be for my voice or for what kind of impact it will have in the future. Wow, that's that's powerful. And Steve, I've looked at some of my content from back in the day because I'm a fitness guy, fitness coach, and it's like I cringe at that. But to sure. your point, when clients actually see that, considering how far we've came, our organization in terms of training sessions, it's actually like very, very valuable. So I can see where he'd yeah. say that. Totally. Uh, yeah. And he's like, yeah. Now, imagine if he started podcasting now. Like, we just wouldn't believe him. We wouldn't believe, like, yeah, well, of course you can say it. Look how big you are. So when people are like, oh, I can't publish yet, or I've got my fitness thing, I'm, I'm not big enough, I don't qualify, it's actually the prime spot to begin publishing because you're more believable than some pristine. I mean, we, we actually have to make our Facebook ads look less professional now. You know what I mean? If it's too pro, no one believes you. It's the same thing with everything else. We like do our, our stuff just on an iPhone, even though we got a sweet studio. It's, it's a really, it's interesting. You're way more believable. Yeah. So talk about a little bit about the culture of ClickFunnels. I mean, what was it like working there? Like, I'm just, I, I can't imagine you shared a couple of clippets there, but uh, I just want to kind of, you know, being that it's so massive and of course, you know, it, get, it provides you a good platform. Just want to kind of get some insight to our audience of, you know, the, the inner workings and the culture of ClickFunnels. Yeah, you know, most people say things like, oh, I would have loved, lift, you know, working there. The reality is I don't think most could handle it. It's extremely intense. Um, uh, amazing, but it's, it's intense. You know, I, I always had probably six or seven funnels to build on my plate at all, every time, all the time. Um, and I created the first two comic book coaching program, uh, the, the program, the layout and all that stuff. And so I became a coach. So I was a, a coach like crazy. And then I'd be building funnels. Like, I mean, it was just a drink it. I, didn't, I still do. I was building a funnel before you and I got on. <laughs> um, the culture though is very, um, awesome if you because if you are willing to be good you, you I mean you tend to get recognized and sometimes that's hard to do in other organizations you know if you're gonna get good sometimes you don't get the credit for it um, so it's cool it's like what what can you do we don't really care about your past what can you do now right and so it, it's it's let's not rest on our laurels so um, I mean just like any environment uh, there's memories that were really good and there's memories that are also really painful where you know I dropped the ball or someone else on the team did or our launch didn't go well because of one key piece you know or you know um, I learned a lot about team structure and organization there um, and before I left Russell asked me to help build the internal funnel building system there because there was no funnel building team there's just he and I it was there wasn't you know, I remember when we hired a copywriter, <laughs> dude, that changed my life. <laughs> when we hired a designer, I was doing all like, so it was, uh, I learned a lot about team structure and the process that really results in success with these internet sales funnels and internet sales in general. That, that was big because I had seen when it was just Russell and I, and then bringing in people and making a system that runs it all. And then all the tweaking, there's a fun environment, but it was, um, what I really appreciated about the environment was that if you were not the smartest or richest, you better be very clear on the advice you're giving. Does that make sense? Like imagine if we listened to the people in the room that were the richest and if someone could speak well, but were broke, we'd be like, wait, show us your scorecard. Where's that coming from? You know what I mean? And what I'm really like about ClickFunnels is that it really adhered to that kind of mentality. It's like, if you're not rich, shut up, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I kind of, I appreciate that, you know, and it was like a little bit more and Russell's that way. He's not a, he's not a jerk about it at all, but like, uh, he's like, well, 
Um, we're going to do it my way because I've done been doing it a while, and I found, here's 15,000 reasons I funnel hacked last night. What were you saying we should do about copy? You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, I better know my crap. You know, I like that a lot. So about what year was this? Because it blows my mind uh, that you're talking about like hiring a copywriter for like the organization of ClickFunnels. You know, <laughs> what time frame are we talking about? Um, I mean, I've been gone from ClickFunnels three and a half years already. So this is 2016 to 18. Okay. And actually, this is right where it kind of came into your world and started seeing you know, a lot of the content that not only Russell, but also you pushed out as well. Yeah, um, yeah. What would you say being a lead funnel builder, and of course, like the claim to fame of ClickFunnels is be able to create awesome squeeze pages, landing pages, funnels by the click of the mouse, very easy, user-friendly. But that all said, I mean, certainly some of the funnels are just immaculate. So what would you say is the biggest skill set that you needed to execute that position? <laughs> um, dude, people ask this a lot, man. It's like... It's so interesting what trips people up in this because um, I ran it into myself, so I don't blame anybody, by the way. But just brief story with this. Okay, so I was very good at building funnels before I got hired at ClickFunnels, and I had all these side clients in the middle of my marketing classes, and I was not out of college yet, and uh, I knew that the degree, I, the degree I was getting was a dime a dozen. There was going to be no, there's going to be no tactical skill set. I could see that like my sophomore year and it freaked me out, which is why I decided to get good at funnel building. And so I built funnels quite a bit. And first it wasn't even, ClickFunnels didn't even exist. And um, it was really hard to build them. So I saw ClickFunnels and I was like, man, what's that? Were you building on WordPress or what were you doing prior to? Uh... Some WordPress stuff. I mean, honestly, get response, uh, email, you know, that email autoresponder, they had like a little squeeze page builder. Um, I had not known that that funnels is what it was called. Um, I just was drawing them and Anyway, so um, I'm building these funnels and I, I remember I had like the first big success for a client. And I was like, this is awesome, it's massively validating. Um, frankly, I think it was the story that got me the job at ClickFunnels. And uh, I get there and just, just like think about this. I was, uh, this is so huge and <laughs> people really miss, they misplace value on funnels. This is what I mean. Uh, so I'm in there, I'm, I'm literally sitting this far away from him, and uh, my monitors like reflect off of his face. So it, it feels like his monitor, he was sitting back to back, so it was like he was looking at me all day long, and I just had imposter syndrome to the nines. And um, and so and I was like, crap, I don't know if I'm good enough, I don't know if I'm good enough, and, and I was just I was cranking so hard every day, just trying to like be an output machine, uh, which I was, and um, so Russell has an idea. And this is the signal that Russell has a good idea. <laughs> you know? And he stands up and he runs barefoot shorts uh, over to, you know, over to a whiteboard. And we just start drawing stuff. And he goes, Steve, remember that funnel you built like three days ago? And it's about this, that second page, the third call. And I was like, oh yeah, I got it. He's like, cool. I want that one there. And then this piece right here. And we're going to have a follow-up sequence that says X, Y, and Z, and this, this, this. And it, it sounds to everyone else, they called it grunting. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> he, he always is like, dude, I missed the grunt. You're the only person who can speak grunt. <laughs> but what would you do if you had just become a funnel builder for the dude that popularized and kind of invented the, the, you know, the concept of funnels? What would you do in the evening? You build the same funnel. I mean, you are seeing the guy and you're building it yourself. So what did I do? So in the evenings, I started building the same funnel. Obviously the offer was different. Obviously certain, you know, I wasn't copying it of course, but I was like, man, if you were funnel, funnel hacking. Yeah, from the dude, right, right from the horse. Like 
right from the horse's mouth. I cannot tell you the insane embarrassment I felt that I could not get a funnel to work on my own for probably the first six months. Massively embarrassing. But really, I had no idea why it was not happening either. Okay. And so when people say it's like, oh, it's all about the funnel. No. <laughs> it took me forever. I don't know why I had to go through that pain, but it took me like six months to get one to work on my own. That's very embarrassing to be the funnel builder at ClickFunnels and have that happen. And so uh, just to be vulnerable and tell you, like, that's exactly what happened. And so I don't know why it took me so long to just like lift my head and look left and see what he was doing while I was building the funnel because that activity is what actually was making the money, not funnel building. Which funnel is what? Funnel building is not marketing. But what activity then? Publishing, right, creating Right, that's content. the big key I want everyone to hear first off though. Funnel building is not marketing at all. All a funnel is, is an automated offer and message. And if you have a sucky offer and a sucky message, your funnel will suck. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. And so if someone's like, oh, I gotta have this sweet, this amazing professional funnel. That's garbage. All you need is a sweet funnel with, that has a good offer and a good message, which is why funnels existed before ClickFunnels did. Like when I was a door-to-door -door guy, I was the funnel. I had a message and I had an offer. I just was the delivery, hey, how's it going? of those two things. And so people misplace and misvalue funnels because they think it's this mystical crap when really it's just the automation of two things. And it, depending on how good those are, that's how the funnel performs. What Russell was doing was the actual marketing piece. So think of it in these two uh, tenses. Um, an entrepreneur's job is to find and solve a valuable problem. Right. And fitness world. Right. I mean, you guys, you guys do. It's like I'm going to find a problem. I'm going to solve it. I'm going to make an offer and a message like that's very entrepreneur. But there is a lot of people that have done that and are broke. The activity that makes the money is everything pre funnel. Think of it like um, a funnel is like a catcher's mitt. Someone's supposed to throw the ball, though. Right. Um, I think of it this way. Also, um, um, campaigns create cash funnels just collect it. And so what we want to spend our time doing, if someone has not made a lot of money, they need to stop looking at the funnel, just get it out the door, good enough, whatever, because the thing that actually makes the money for them is this marketing activity. It's all about campaigns. It's about attention. It's sales-based attention. That's all you're trying to get. And uh, that's harder than entrepreneurship. And that's where the role of marketing is super different than the role of entrepreneurship. And that, that, that right there is the reason why most of the time I don't build my own funnels anymore because it's not the money maker. It's all about how much noise and sales-based attention can I draw to the first page of the funnel. And that's where all the money comes in, which is why since I'm not a designer and I'm not even really an amazing copywriter, I'm good enough and I'm okay at video editing. I'm like, but that's why I could, I could be the one-stop shop for funnel building and he could just go make a lot of attention. All right? It's like, and it still would work really, really well. And he'd poop out another million dollars in three weeks. <laughs> that is crazy. Mind blown here. I'm going to have to rewind this tape because you just threw some major nuggets, which are impressive. People just misplace funnels a lot. And I did too until I saw it firsthand. And I was like, huh, this is the thing that makes the money. Not, not that. I'm not saying don't use a funnel, but like it's not this like black box magic thing. So you talked about the activity, right? So can you give us and ranted, you know, uh, you talked about Russell, you know, shooting podcasts. Can you give us some ideas or just, you know, the audience, some, some insights to what that activity would be? Yeah, sure. Yeah, totally. So, um, let's say, um, so actually just my own, my own example here. Um, 
so we've done a lot of events, you know, and uh, so I build an event funnel, right? And the funnel sells tickets and upsells them VIP and then says, hey, do you want extra swag and, you know, whatever. Um, what most people do, we have to reframe what a lot of people think marketing and campaigns are, right? Funnel building is not marketing. Um, and Facebook ads are not campaigns. You have to, uh, my favorite thing to go do is to look at rich dead guys, <laughs> right? What are the rich dead marketers, the guys who didn't have the internet but made millions of dollars? What did they understand? Because they didn't have funnels, they didn't have any of this stuff, but they made millions of dollars back when that was a lot of money, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? And it's like, geez, you know, like what did they do? One of my favorite guys to watch is, uh, and I'll, I'll tell you how we've used this, is uh, P.T. Barnum. Uh, I, I love P.T. Barnum. You know, his movie Greatest Showman was about him. Uh, a lot of it was made up, but uh, still a good movie. And P.T. Barnum was a master at creating orchestrated attention. It's just like this orchestrated noise. And he'd be like, hey, public, I got this thing coming up. And by the way, influencer, here it is coming up. Same date, time, and location. By the way, massive other companies, date, time, location, all about this thing. And it was the way he would weave them together towards the equivalent of the first page of the funnel, and that's how we'd make the money. So we do something similar. Um, it's a mistake when someone thinks that a Facebook ad is what a campaign is. That's just a way to do it, all right? Um, it's a mistake to think that sending an email to a list is a campaign. That's a method, all right? And, and so what we do is we just take a step back and say, what are all the crazy, noisy things we could do they would draw attention towards the first page of the funnel and give people a reason to pull their wallet out. That has very little to do with the funnel. And it's a more uncomfortable skill set than the entrepreneur, the entrepreneur game. So like for my events, we did six, our, the biggest one, um, we had 16 campaigns to a single event. <laughs> one of them was ads to a, the funnel. One of them was emails. I made up 14 other just crazy campaigns and they were the more successful ones. Um, and so I contend a lot that we just have lazy marketing and it's not due to the person's fault. It's just the internet has such easy distribution that we've thought we don't need to have these old school campaign styles when in reality, they're the ones that actually make the most money. So on that note, you know, Facebook ad would be a campaign, one campaign, email list would be a campaign. You said that you used about 13 others. Can you give maybe one or two examples that has really worked for you for a campaign setting to obviously promote and fill your events? Yeah, totally. Um, so some of the other cool ones that we did, um, and we just keep rinsing and repeating the ones that worked, you know, just, so I got a bucket of just campaigns that worked and we just, I think of them like football plays. And I'm like, oh, that funnel didn't work as well as I wanted. Uh, this one, let's launch that one. You know, that's kind of how I, how I think of it. Um, uh, going to previous buyers and giving them, you know, uh, hey, it's gonna be $100 off on your ticket if you use it by this amount of time. All right, no ads involved. Uh, I'm not anti-ad, I just anti them. Albert Lasker said that if your funnel doesn't work without ads, it's definitely not gonna work with ads. It's not about the ad. Um, anyway, so uh, another great one that we did was, um, that particular event, we had like 650 people come to it live. It was, it was a big event. Uh, we had, was that? Was it up in Boise? Yeah, that was, one, that was a fun one. I really enjoyed that one. Um, another fun one is uh, I went back to the previous year's attendees and I said, hey, alumni, 
Uh, got a breakfast for you on me, morning of day two, if you go get your ticket now. <laughs> uh, just clever things like that, um, that, that really pulled a lot of people in. Um, I knew I wanted some more of Russell Brunson's audience to attend. And so when he, he was doing a big promotion. And so I said, I'm going to be one of the top affiliates. And by the way, if you get the, this product through me, I will give you a, um, I'll credit that same amount towards your ticket toward this thing. So I, I grabbed noise and rolled it into my event. That, that actually got a lot of people really quickly. Um, just a lot of things like that. They actually, and when you kind of widen what a campaign means, everyone who's listening or watching now, you guys can all just start thinking, oh, that's how we do it. Oh, that's how we, that's how we do it. And like, wait a second, this is way, it's not so, it's only about ads. You feel handcuffed, you know, it's, all, it's only yeah. ads. I gotta have an ad budget. I gotta be a crazy huge influencer. None of that's true. I had no list, I had no money, I had no product, I had none of that when I started. What I did have was that I had been publishing a little bit and I was like, something's coming and that was it. And, and, and you realize that campaigns are just attention-based noise. I'm sorry, sales-based attention, sorry. Sales-based attention is what a campaign is. Yeah. Love it, man. Um, super, super insightful. Um, all right, well, I wanna transition here to sure. you know, a company that we talked about, you know, uh, Pursuit of Profit, which is what you kind of launched as you left Russell Brunson's ClickFunnels world. And I do actually wanna acknowledge you though, because the fact that you were able to be his lead funnel builder, learn all this, become a coach, which actually I wanna drill into a little bit, but uh, but how he sings your praises from a public perspective, from a, you know, a publishing perspective in his books and his content, just obviously goes to show like your character, his character. So I'm, you know, I've, I've listened to Traffic Secrets so many times and every time I hear it, I'm like, you know what? That's awesome that he's able to kind of sing your praises, even though you guys have, you know, kind of shifted gears. I oh, appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I cared deeply about that relationship. And yeah, I just told him when I needed to leave. First of all, it's cool of him. He's like, first off, I get it. You're an entrepreneur. I said, I know, <laughs> but I want to work with you. And he goes, second of all, you're still the only entrepreneur to leave me that has never screwed me. And I was like, ah, I just, I feel like what they're doing over there is, Tallowed ground, you know, to change a lot of lives. So, thank you. Totally. Um, so, before we transition to that, one of the things you talked about was like business systems and operations and all that. And actually, how we connected, even though I've kind of known you from afar, is our mutual friend Brian Underhill, who's an incredible dude. Like, literally, love that guy so much. And we were talking offline. Now, I guess my newly appointed role at Fit Body Bootcamp, our franchise, being the CEO, and you obviously being the CEO of your organization, EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System, has done game changer. Like, literally, su such a big shift in our business. Um, and talking offline, it sounds like it's the same for you. So can you talk a little bit about your experience with it? Maybe specifically EOS or just in general, talk about your business systems that, you know, that uh, you talked about how important they are. Yeah, this is a, I got a lot of opinion on this one. Cause I mean, I, when I was in college, man, they, it was like, it was like, Hey, here's how you win. Go get a VC loan. Use that to create your business systems. And then hopefully those business systems are good enough to create consistent marketing sales, marketing itself. That's rough. Yes. It's way easier to go the other direction where instead don't take on and then you don't get golden handcuffs, right? Instead you say, why don't I just go figure out how something sells now and then use the profits to build the business structures and then I don't owe anyone any money. <laughs> it sounds way better to me, right? Let's sign up for that. Yeah, exactly, right? So, um, uh, this this part matters tremendously. So, and I call this the marketing and systems dance. So I left my job, right? I leave, and 
I was solo for the first four months. And so I was writing the webinar scripts and I was pitching and then fulfilling and then shipping stuff and then redoing all the, you know, getting the traffic back into the funnel for the next time. And like, it was a lot, you know, so I called one of my buddies up from college, amazing guy, great friend. And I said, do you want to come help? And he said, sure. I said, what I need help with is business systems. And what happens is, and this is pretty standard, but it can be really uncomfortable if people don't expect it. It's that you build these, these marketing systems that are really strong, but they outpace your business systems. So your marketing is stronger than your business systems, fulfillment, customer service, you know, all, shipping, all, all that kind of stuff. And you're like, crap, oh man, fulfillment quality is dropping. And that has happened, it happens in every company. All it means is, all right, just turn down that marketing system a little bit. We gotta focus on upgrading fulfillment. And then what happens is the exact opposite. You build the system, but they get a little fat and they're a little, they're a little more expensive than your, than your sales can handle. So then what you do, you beef up your marketing and it's this zigzag back and forth. We just went through that um, where I can tell my marketing systems, I, I grew, I, it was too fat. So we did cut a little bit, but we're just turning on another few marketing things that will outpace our fulfillment soon, which is how it grows. Like, um, and that happens a lot. The first time I ever learned this was actually when I was in college and I built, that was that first successful funnel, man. And uh, dude, I was, I was like begging for success. I was like, please, like I'm, I've been doing this for years. Like, come on, what is, what is wrong with me? You know, and I was a great entrepreneur, but a terrible marketer. Had no idea the difference. And um, I remember, dude, this guy, I built the funnel for him and I was excited because a lot of sales came in and he called me, the CEO. He's like, dude, this is a lot of sales, man. What's up? And I was like, yeah, I'm the bee's knees. So, whoa. Like, you know, it was really validating. I was like, what's <laughs> up now? You know, and <laughs> day number two, CEO calls me again. <laughs> this is all I was in college till. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> he goes, whoa, a little more hesitation in his voice. There's a lot of sales, and I'm still like, yeah, what's up, bees knees? Oh, I'm like, yeah, cats meow. Look at all these sales coming in, right? And I was like, I told you it would work, you know? <laughs> the next day, he calls, and he's like, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. And I was like, who wants less sales? Click, and I hung <laughs> Don't do that if you're listening to this and watching this. <laughs> I was so naive. I was so naive. I had no idea. And he just kept texting me. He's like, dude, you got to turn the funnel off. And I was like, I don't even freaking know how to do that. But I'm going to, well, what do you mean? I, I know less sales, no sales, you know, you want sales, 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 sales like crazy. Two weeks goes by. Dude calls me back, mega frustrated. And I can't, I don't know why yet. I can't figure out why he's so mad. I was like, you're selling like gangbusters. What's the issue here, you know? And, uh, and he goes, dude, turn off the funnel. And I said, who wants less sales? And I go to hang up. <laughs> And he goes, you're going to bankrupt me. And I'm like, that makes no sense. Look at all the sales. And he goes, Steven, think about it. You are selling so fast that you're sucking all the cash out of my business. I don't have any money to pay my people because the cash is going to buy more product. You're going to bankrupt me. You're selling too fast. And it was the first time in my life I ever realized that a funnel is not a business. And that you have these revenue arms, but you got to have the support to fulfill, you have this, the fulfillment to support it, the business structure. And I was outpacing his business structure super hard. There were two other times that happened when I was with Russell. That was the first time on my own. I mean, most people don't have that problem, but 
that was that right there. That's a big deal um, that uh, you got marketing systems and business systems. And there's a time for both. And it's not uncommon that they outpace each other. Just you kind of have to be aware of it. Man, that's speaking my language at Fit Body Bootcamp. <laughs> I feel like for a long time our marketing engine was flying, and then our systems had to, to to catch up. And you know, we've come a long way. And man, we're fighting all cylinders. But it is that like that balance. And you know, ES, EOS has done game changer for our business from the operational side. And uh, yeah. it sounds like we we share that similar sentiment. It's a fun fun thing to do. Every time I consult a company, you know, they usually come and bring their team, and then it's one of the first things I look for. I'm like, okay, they're asking for a funnel, but how's their fulfillment? Because I definitely outpaced fulfillment many times. <laughs> Speaking of consulting, uh, which you do, um, what would you say, Steve, is is your big zone of genius? And you tell me, like at first, you know, you're the quiet guy that didn't talk to adults and this, that, and the other. And now I'm, I don't think I've laughed so hard on a podcast. I do this like charismatic guy. Um, <laughs> so you have a lot of skill sets, whether you know or not. But what would you say, in your own words, is your zone of genius? Um, I'm very good at orchestrating attention. Very Which good is at it. the I'm essence of marketing. Than I am funnel building. I'm not. I'm not that amazing of a funnel builder anymore, just because I don't focus on it. Because I realized how much it doesn't matter. Not that it. Not that it doesn't. I don't want to be quoted for that. Not that it doesn't matter. It's that it's very secondary to your ability to bring in attention. And uh, if you can do that, you're. I mean, you look at like Frank Kern's funnels. Dude, they're literally a white background with a video and a headline and a button. No design, literally that's it, nothing else. We looked at the top converting funnels at ClickFunnels. Uh, we pulled the top 100 and 90 of them were the most butt ugly, nasty funnels you've seen in your life. Like it has nothing to do with looking professional. It is all about your ability to gain and grab attention. And what I've gotten good at uh, is creating formulas based on like rich dead dudes <laughs> and and uh, um, using inside of marketing plans directed at funnels. And that's really been what we've become good at. Yeah, and, and from earlier conversation, orchestrating attention, that's the true essence of marketing. Yeah. Uh, throw out some other uh, old or dead old dudes that, you know, you gave one example, but can you give our audience a few more? Yeah, yeah, uh, Claude Hopkins, that guy was awesome. That was awesome. Uh, I was a huge fan, a uh, huge fan of Albert Lasker. He's actually the guy that invented orange juice to save Sunkist. That's a yes. great one. I love that story. Um, David Ogilvy is the reason Dove soap exists. Mm -hmm. uh, you ever seen the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding? Yes. You know in that movie when he's like, "Give me a word, I'll tell you how it's Greek." I feel that way with marketing. It's like, "Show me a product, I'll tell you why we eat it." It's all about marketing, you know, or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, a lot of those dudes are the ones that popularized why we do most of we do now. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, my friend. Let's transition to the pursuit of profits and want to kind of dig dig down. And as I hit on your intro, I think it's the coolest thing ever. Is not only your lead funnel uh, builder, click funnels, working with Russ, Russell, who's like a mentor from afar uh, for me. So I'm just so jacked up at that. But then you go off and do your own thing, and then you hit a two comma club within the infrastructure of click funnels for your own business, which is game changing. So give us the rundown, story tell a little bit. Just want to know a little bit more about about what you're up to these days. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We've, I'm very proud of it, man. We we um, um, we've crossed we've crossed 10 million now, and I'm. It's been three and a half years. There was something I watched Russell do. It was one of the reasons why I was so honored to be in his books and helped. I helped edit the trilogy a lot. Um, and it was my dot com secrets. One is over there somewhere, but it was when we were. 
shortly after I got hired, um, we were we were going through the outline of the first version of Expert Secrets, and I got to watch that process. And, I, and what I realized was how intensely he takes that process, and his process was very. It was like, hey, I'm going to go try a whole bunch of stuff with a framework of my own in mind because I want to see if it's a law. And if it's a law, I want to write a book about it. And if it's not a law, I want to tweak it because there's something that needs to get created there. And it was that. So he's like, think about this. It's like, um, this is where I got this as well. What we would do is we would take out big poster boards and we would write down principles on on the poster board and then we, we lay them out on the floor. So you walk into his office and it's just this floor is loaded with these literally covered like you can't barely see the carpet and then what we started to do what we did every time was we would just go back and forth just side by side conceptually editing the flow of what's on the floor so then we just pick up a card and we'd move it and shift the rest of the cards down and like well in order to know that you really got to know this and we'd pick that card up and and that process is really what i got to see for the first expert secrets draft and then help you know go through and edit and go through a lot of that stuff um but i was like i want to do that and, and when I write a book, I want it to be that way. And dot-com secrets came out like right at the same time ClickFunnels came out. And what it was was his frameworks from the previous 10 years. And so I'm bringing this as a backstory so that you know like what I actually have been doing. Because my conscious decision, six months before I left ClickFunnels, I could tell I was going to and I could tell I needed to. And Russell could as well. And he was super cool about it. And I decided, you know. But I was like, if I leave, I want to do it testing a framework. And so that was why I also left so dramatically because I was testing my own framework and it worked, which is great. Um, <laughs> um, but I was like, what he really did though is once we got the framework on the floor with all the pieces of paper like nailed down, we're like, yeah, this is it, you know? He would throw an event and that would be the slides. And so what he was doing was he was testing the framework in front of a live audience and mentally and even actually I'd be sitting on the side and you know we'd be taking notes on things we could tell that did not make sense to the audience well then he would go back to all the papers on the floor and we'd add in a few stories and tweak it around and we'd try it again and he'd go back and do another event I mean that's that's why this book Traffic Secrets took so many times because I remember the night we the first night we we went through and, and laid out all the cards he did an event like a week later and then it was another year and a half before he went back and did it all again because stuff didn't make sense. And so what was interesting about the style of book writing was that it was very market. Um, you got to listen to the market really well. And so I left with that purpose. And um, I was a head editor of yearbook in high school. And um, I've always wanted to write books. And so Pursuit of Profit, the first three and a half years has been an active, the reason I've done 14 events is because what have I been testing in all 14 of them, whether or not they know, has been my framework for finding an offer and launching it. And so those are the two separate books. So the Pursuit of Profit theme is shifting a little bit right now because I feel like I got it. And uh, we launched 46 products in the last three and a half years of my own products is <laughs> so many products, man. You do not need that many to make a lot of money. I did it with a specific intent to test my framework. And now that I feel like we got it, we shut down 40 of those 46. And, um, and now I feel like what I'm trying to do is birth my, my book. And speaking of your book is coming out. I think, I don't know if it's launched yet, but it's called core offer. Um, working title. Still trying to figure that out. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, really really interesting. So you stripped down your 46 offers. Now you have a core six. What are those offers that's that, that, uh, stood the test of time? Yeah, there's, um, there's three or four of them that are, um, like affiliate stuff. You know, that's, that's really cool. And they're meant to be lead gen pulling leads out of funnel land towards my own list. Um, uh, the main one though is called Internet Launch Secrets, and it really is the course that is what the book will be. It's the actual. It was the event that I was like, ah, got it. That was it right there. Look at all the success stories afterwards. Sweet, you know. <laughs> um, so that one's like the main core thing. We have a higher one. Isn't that it? We, I saw some of the literature on that we were connecting with. Isn't that a six-month intensive course? If do I oh, that, that one's right? Offer Lab. Okay, okay. forgive me. OfferLab is much more intensive. Uh, live coaching involved with it. It's a customized launch plan too, so it's super fun. That, that's a okay. fun. Pro- I've been doing that program for about three years now. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. And then you know various events that we do. Those are really the core pieces. Okay. Yeah. Um, one of the things I see that you post a lot and has your backdrop is the capitalist pig. So, <laughs> kind of how how does this all work in this framework? And by the way, like maybe it's because I mean I'm a I'm a patriot for sure, and maybe this past year we're shooting this in mid 2021, but like just you know after last year just reinforces like the value of capitalism, voluntary exchange for service. So I love your mission. I love I'm excited to kind of learn more about it, but I want to color in the audience for a little bit more detail. Heck yes. Thank you for asking that question because I'm very passionate about this topic. Um, very passionate about it. I am so aggressive on this topic that um, I remember the first time, the first time, and I'll, I'll just tie it back this way too. Russell didn't come up with, I'm a funnel hacker. He didn't come up with that. He taught something and someone called themselves a funnel hacker. He was like, that'd be cool for a shirt. And that's how his tribe name was created. This is actually the same. I did not come up with the term capitalist pig. It's from a book called Animal Farm and um, a lot of other famous books on different styles of economics. And um, I saw a shirt, it was gold, and it said Capitalist Pig on it. And I was like, oh, that's funny. I'll get one for Russell and I. It's when I was still working there. So I gave it to him and I was like, this is hilarious, ha ha ha. Wore it on a camera and dude, everyone like pooped their pants. <laughs> I was like, that's the one, you know? That's it. Catchy, yeah, but, so catchy, yeah. and speak and sp- I mean, it's me specifically, but just speaks to me and speaks to people. Yeah. Well, dude, here's the trick. Here's like the big thing. Okay, so I was uh, try I was trying to become an officer, which eventually I did, and um, so it was, it was. Just imagine like quintessential Hollywood alpha males. All right, we're all sitting there like it's this whole semester where all we do is study wars, and so you just study battles, and it's so fun. Well, in order to study a battle, you really have to know a lot about culture and politics of both countries. Mm-hmm. At the end of, this is where this came from. At the end of the semester, this brilliant historian guy leans back and he, he says something. He's like, I've been doing this a long time. He guys did a great job. He said, you know, it's really fascinating. There has never been a war that has ever started um, because of social issues. Wars have always started because of a violation of rights. And in my mind, I never knew there was a difference. And that little tic-tac stayed in my mind until fast forward a couple years later, I saw the capitalist picture and put it on and had that reaction. And I was like, this is a social issue, right? We're not really talking about rights. Capitalism is not a political stance. It is an economic system. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay. And I started thinking more about this and and, and I decided to this is like the big trick. Like anyone who's on fitness, like think about what the social issue is that you stand for 
that is an existing argument. I was like, well, in my marketplace, entrepreneurship, the war between capitalism and socialism is very loud. And I, of course, did not create it, but I sure as heck am going to take a stand on it. Mm -hmm. So I took a stand on it. We put this thing on. And what's fascinating when you do that is uh, you get a lot of sales off the back just by virtue of being noisy. Yeah. And um, and leading the charge for for your audience. Um, there's a, we do a three day event on that concept alone. So it's a, it's a really big, but man, like if you want to throw gas on the fire of all your marketing, align yourself to, with a social issue. Just be careful when you do because there's obviously backlash that happens. Because that, that informed believe with it. Because I feel like the the essence that gets it, you know, ammunition and attention and whatnot is also the other forces like the hate and the frustration that you're all yeah. go, uh, always going to feel. Would that be fair to say? Totally. You got to have a little thick skin with it. And, and that piece right there is is usually what we spend half a day on with consulting. Because if you nail that down, it's like you can have C-level marketing and get A-level sales just by virtue of the amount of attention you're getting yourself. It's really interesting. Now, forgive me, this is a, a passionate topic for me, so I just love where your head's at. I just love it to, like, to the core. I didn't fully understand, though, the difference between a social issue and the violation of rights. Can you maybe explain that just one more time? Yeah. Not only so our audience can hit it, but I can fully understand because this is just speaking to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, <clears throat> you know, like rights, human rights, you know, versus um, a social issue that someone had, like some social issue. COVID is obviously a social issue. It has no kind of violation of rights, you know, but it's got uh, um, uh, it's a social issue. It's widespread. It's known. Like think of it like this way. Um, so there was um, when COVID started, someone and I'm going to say some stuff here. I hope everyone's cool with that. All right. But someone was like, hey, should we talk about COVID and marketing? Because we want to be sensitive. And I was like, totally be sensitive. It's really, you know, this like it's a intense. It's real. The world is you know, all eyes there. Be very, you know, um, uh, be very sensitive, obviously. But someone messaged me once and they said, I can't wait till things go back to normal. They're not going back to normal. <laughs> this is the normal, all right? It's like, it would take an equally large event to push it back the way that it was. But we're all educated now on how it can be, and so it is. And so it's this way, right? And so, but you think about the positive of what that actually means the most expensive thing to change in this life is human habits, right? So if someone is not already in the habit of buying in a certain way, educating them on buying a new way is one of the most expensive endeavors ever. I learned that on Shark Tank, actually. Um, and so what we look for is what are the masses in my market already mass educated on and is taken as truth? And marketers totally deal in stereotypes, 100%. And so you're, all, you're also asking about some of those stereotypes. Obviously, there's good and bad in all of these principles. You use them for good. These are real things, you know. Um, so what we do, though, is we look to see what social issues exist inside, meaning what are people fighting about that doesn't have to do with human rights, safety, taking care of people. Like, I don't, I'm not touching any of that stuff. I'm not touching politics. Like, I'll never take a stand. I'll never take any stance on that stuff because I don't want my brand to be attached to a political stance. Neither do I, so I, I know exactly what you yeah. mean by that. It's like, there's definitely a line, and it's um, it's actually, I don't think it's fine either. I think it's a very fat line, um, and uh, you know, stay away from that. But uh, there's an existing argument, and you truly believe about it, you know, you can take it pretty far. We're, um, I don't know if I've answered the question, but we, I'm, I'm kind of trying to lead the charge 
Dude, I'm freaking nervous to do this. All right. <laughs> oh man, we went. We made a list of the top 100 socialism contributors and donors, and uh, I'm gonna send them capitalist kits <laughs> just so I can publish about it. <laughs> I can totally. The problem is, I'm like, man, someone's gonna freaking assassinate. Like, that's some hardcore stuff. It can and be, yeah. Like, but uh, you take. You see how far you want to take that. Dude, yeah, man, well, if what I can do to help you, I just, this resonates so much with me and yeah. I'm fired up, man. So I just want to put that offer on the table. Oh, thanks, man. appreciate that. I'll definitely take you up. Yeah, we're going to do some large stuff. We're trying to get some celebrities involved with it. And, and uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, well, one, one last note in terms of, you know, uh, uh, pursuit of profit and kind of your organization would just be I know you have an event um, I want to say this September um, called offer launch so would love to uh, kind of color the details and maybe you know not only explain what it is but offer some good takeaways to our audience I appreciate that a lot yeah that is the hardest part I love the funnel building customer and user and I don't care what there's so many funnel building softwares the truth is it does not matter all right like an, a musician makes the most out-of-tune piano still sound good it has nothing to do very little to do with the tool um, and so I don't care what people are using. The problem is that there's too much weight given on the funnel and people don't learn how to launch and how to get that attention and orchestrate it. So that's all the event is. It's a lot of cool, fun strategies that we've used. I bring in a lot of people. If you have money, sweet, here's some good ads ways. If you don't, sweet, here's some cool free ways. That's how most of us start, you know. Um, so thank you. Appreciate that. It's uh, September 8th through the 10th. It'll be our second time doing that particular event. So, yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, all right, uh, Steve, man, this has been so awesome. I wish uh, I had an infinite amount of time with you because, man, I'm dying over here and also just got so much value. But uh, for the sake of time, I want to transition to the lightning round just to kind of allow you to yeah. fire off some last nuggets for the audience if that works. Deal. Um, and actually, this this is not my normal kind of uh, spiel, but being you're an expert in marketing, I'm just curious to pick your brain. Where do you see marketing going in the next two to three years? Uh, I see that it's going to be easier and easier for those who actually understand what marketing is because people are just going to keep thinking that it's about, uh, you know, what time you post something on Facebook. Not to say that doesn't help, but like, yeah, it's, has, it's barely even the icing. Definitely not the cake. <laughs> the tactic versus the strategy. Yeah, right? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah. Actually really, distribution's never been easier in this entire planet than right now. You know what I mean? How many people is this video going to reach? You know? And it's like, it's pretty much free. I mean, think about what all these old school rich dead dudes had to do just to get 10 people to know about their thing. They had to go like, so I think those who actually understand that, that's going to be easier. And I think AI is going to play a really big, strong you know, role in it soon. Um, next up for our audience who are interested in fitness, business, entrepreneurship, um, certainly marketing has a lot to do with it. What would you say is one unique value bomb that the average business owner or entrepreneur should know about marketing, but probably doesn't? Yeah. Um, uh, you are not paid to be an expert. You are paid to solve a problem. And thinking that you need to be an expert to sell is what's keeping, it's, it's one of the cornerstones that keeps someone's, someone broke. I used to think the same. There's a lot of broke, brilliant people out there. It has nothing to do with being an expert. It has everything to do with knowing with ridiculous clarity the problem you solve and being able to explain it better than everybody else. And that right there, I love the book Play Bigger. It says that if you can describe the problem better than everyone, they assume you have the best solution. It's really interesting marketing. So Play Bigger? 
Yeah, get really good at uh, at understanding what problem you solve. It actually takes the pressure away as an entrepreneur that you have to be world class. Like I'm getting ranked like I did in school. I have to have an A in order to get A revenue. It's not true at all. Man, that's some gold right there, Steve. Thank you. Thanks. I got a few more. Uh, passion. Um, certainly me in the fitness space, you're passionate people. I'm a passionate guy. I can tell that you are as well. What would you say is uh, one big source of passion these days and why? Uh, you know, not to mince it, man. I just literally think it was why I was born. You know, um, I have three beautiful little girls. Um, that's certainly a source of my passion, but I mean, I could provide for them doing something else. For me, uh, strongly believe in God, all right? Very strongly. Not a doubt in my mind there's been massive involvement. I know he's there because I'm not this smart. <laughs> that's what I tell people. <laughs> but uh, but I, I, you know, I invite everyone to ask, like, you know, why were you born now? You know, and I, I believe that, uh, you know, I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. So there's this piece of me that if I start to get a little lazy, <laughs> that I feel this searing, but loving, but searing eye from above going, what you doing now, kid? I'm like, I'm sorry, I'll get going again. <laughs> Nice. Um, all right. Thank you. Um, next up, before all the success that uh, you've achieved today, um, looking back at your former younger self, uh, what would you say was the one big thing um, that was holding you back? And ultimately, how'd you overcome that? You know, part of it was that whole expert versus solve a problem thing. Um, I also, I look back, dude, I went through 34 product tries over five years, man. And, um, same people get jobs after that, <laughs> you know. The tail end of that 34 is when I was working for Russell. And then went through 46 successes in a row. And the, the difference between those two right there, I think it really had to do with everything I've talked about here where build a product that's really good, that over delivers, but also clearly understand that at some point you gotta take off the entrepreneurship hat. We have this, we have this like, I don't know, we overly love the entrepreneur in our nation and in society. And it's not to say it's not cool. It's just, it doesn't, it's not what makes money, you know? And I didn't know that. So I had like my, my 34 failures were good products. That wasn't the issue. The issue was that I had, did not ever put on the marketer hat. And uh, that, that was the biggest mistake. Well, um, profound here. Um, all right, I got a few more for you. Um, Habits are just so fundamental in success and business success and fitness success. Success. Uh, what would you say is a habit or two that you've picked up along the way that's really significantly impacted you in a positive way? Yeah, <laughs> See, I'm, I'm laughing at this one because I mean, you know, Brian, right? Uh, USA, <laughs> he was like, Stephen, you are one of the most hardcore visionaries ever that I've seen ever. <laughs> I was like, is that why I suck at routines? <laughs> Dude, I'm so bad at routines. I have some business routines and that's about it. And the ones, because I don't always want to do this. Sometimes it is work, you know? And so the routines that have kept me safe is I always have a 9 a.m. meeting every day. And it's so that I have a place that I need to be, that I'm ready to go. I don't trust my willpower. Um, what was that book, Willpower Doesn't Work? Super good book. You know, because it's like, look, after a while, willpower sucks. What actually changes human behavior is environment, not willpower. And so I like, I've learned to 
I trust me, but sometimes my willpower wants to just chill, dude. You know what I mean? Like, so instead, what I've had to do is consciously set up environments. Like when I'm in bed, I sleep. When I am not doing anything else, I sleep. You know what I mean? When I sit down, I work because it's the environment and it matches it. I have a specific place for when I can kind of chill and relax and hang out and play and do nothing. And that's been one of the biggest tricks for me because um, <laughs> someone was like, I don't have the motivation to have success. And I'm like, well, you're not broke enough then, first off, <laughs> because the environment isn't sucking enough. You know what I mean? Um, uh, but the, the flip side of that, though, is that when you start to solve that and you're like, crap, I'm not constantly looking for the next dollar. I'm losing my steam. That was weird for me. The way I've, I've, I've mostly solved it, obviously, I'm not perfect at it, is just by intentionally creating environments where when I'm there, this is the activity that happens. Because otherwise, I don't, really, I don't really trust that I'm always going to be doing what I'm supposed to. Dude, that's so, so true. Environment is everything. And I, I always bring it back to fitness because that's what I'm so passionate about. Thank and you. At the, end of the, at the end of the day, like people can work out and do their uh, own thing in theory, but that willpower doesn't doesn't get you there. And that group environment, when you're at the gym and you have guidance and coaching, it's, it's the environment that works. Totally. Absolutely. Totally. All right. Um, one thing that we touched on, but I guess I'm going to have to have another conversation we go long and deep at, is the coaching consulting, um, because I know that's a big aspect of you know who you are and uh, the value that you provide. But uh, being a coach and consultant, you give out incredible advice you know, for the people within your influence. What would you say has been one of the best pieces of advice that you've ever received uh, and why? That's a good question, man. It's like... It's really hard to answer that. Um, I'm a big believer that uh, whoever you're getting coached from should also be getting coached themselves, otherwise they don't stay sharp. You know what I mean? So so I, I, I'm blown away how many coaches Russell always has around him. Uh, most people just don't know, and I, you know, because he doesn't share. But, um, but seeing that and watching that, like you got a coach for as soon as you wake up, you got a coach for what you put in your body for food. You got a coach for like supplements. I mean, I, I could not believe the coaches he had things for. And I, I'd never seen that. Um, uh, I'd say a piece of advice though, from that lens that I feel like I've gotten would be, um, you know what? I actually about two or three months in, um, no, no, it was when I started my podcast. So it was about four months in, I interviewed this up and coming entrepreneur everyone knows him um and at the point he had only done about 100 grand in sales which is still obviously respectable but dude i interviewed him on, on my own podcast and russell saw me seeing him does that make sense he was looking at me looking at him and he started noticing that i was definitely comparing myself to him and I was like, crap, man, like, I could do that. Like, you know, like, and it started bothering me and I started comparing my timeline to his and I started, and he slipped over to me this course <laughs> called The Gap by uh, Dan Sullivan. Yeah, he gave me a lot of courses when he could tell that I was sucking or something, you know. We all suck eventually, it's all good. <laughs> you know, so like, just being honest about it, it was the first step. So he's like, hey, you should probably check this course out. So I started going through it and in there I learned, um, this is my own quip to remember the course. I don't remember all the pieces in there, but basically it's like stop comparing yourself or it's the beginning of the end of entrepreneurship. And so I came up with a little quip and I just tell myself a lot. Okay, I've had to do this even in the past six months, you know. Um, very frequently I'll remind myself, it's me against me and it's me against yesterday. That's it. 
that's it. Amen. Keeps your head down, keeps you away from looking at the clock, no comparing games. Me against me, and it's me against yesterday. And what the weird net effect of it is, six months goes by and you pop your head up and you're like, dang, look how much I got done. It's real cool. That changed my life. Dude, man, that's profound. Um, 100%. I also want to flip back and talk about we all suck. It's interesting at, at, <laughs> Fit, at Fit Body. I literally hosted a new batch of owners to our brand and was talking to kind of high level. We Our coaching profitability team just put together this 12-week onboarding you know, coaches plan to basically bring a new coach in our brand up to speed because in our business, you know, our team, our service is our product, right? And I kind of opened up saying, we all suck. Like, oh, coaches, when they first come, myself included, yeah. your job as the owner is to reduce the suckage time by, by pouring into your people. And so when you mentioned that we all suck, that's just so true. Literally top of my brain from last night's teaching. So, so true. <laughs> couldn't agree with you more. Uh, Steve, man, this has been awesome. I have one final question, really, to, and you've, you've added so much value. I personally am going to rewatch the tape a few times over, um, and I know our audience feels the same way. But um, the last piece of uh, parting wisdom, knowing that our audience are interested, again, fitness, business, entrepreneurship, trying to better their lot in life, being on a personal development path, what would you say would be your one last piece of parting wisdom that will better their lot in business and or in life? Yeah, I would say uh, to have ridiculous clarity on what it is they actually want and then unapologetically just go for it. Because like one of the reasons why it took me a while to have success also is I, I can tell that even when I wasn't working for anybody yet, I was still waiting for permission to have success. I didn't know that, but that's what was happening. And there was a moment where I actually realized it. And I was like, my gosh, I am, I am waiting for other people to give me permission to get what I want. And a lot of that, because it was about sales and money and making, you know, entrepreneurial and making it work and means I need cash flow. And I had to actually overcome a lot of money false beliefs and I, that I had no idea were there. And I remember the first time someone was like, Steven, if you still think a million dollars is a lot of money, you will not make a million dollars. Like you're, you're, making this thing esoteric and out there and unreachable and this mystical, mythical thing, million dollars, right? And so I had to redefine my relationship with money. And I would say that that would be really what it was about for me. First, redefine what it meant to make money. And there's all these weird things I'd overcome with that. And then stop asking for permission to have success and just be like, I'm not being given the opportunities I want to, I'm gonna make myself world-class. And that, that was what did it. Oh, gold, my friend. This has been gold. Uh, so grateful for that. Uh, before we wrap, where can our audience connect with you at? I appreciate that a lot, actually. Uh, funny enough, since we shut so much stuff down, there's only like a couple places. <laughs> um, but the, the Capitalist Pig shirt is actually the best. Uh, CapitalismSwag.com. We give them away for free. Just 10 bucks for the shipping. So Cap uh, Capitalism Swag. Yeah. That's it, yeah. Well, my friend, um, before we shoot, I just want to take a quick second to acknowledge you, to thank you for being on the show, but way more than this, and we were talking offline, I just want to thank you for being who you are. Your passion uh, radiates. I love what you stand for, um, as we've kind of talked about today. And uh, I think I told you this off the tape, but um, because of the work that you've done, Russell's done, Traffic Secrets, and your whole kind of ecosystem that you've created, that is the reason that end of last year, I pitched this podcast idea to be 
Pedros, my you know co uh, co host and uh, mentor and what whatnot. So without you and without the influence, both you, Russell, and the whole kind of work that you've done, this wouldn't be here. And uh, you've all you've helped a lot of people within our brand actually sign up to be Fit Body Bootcamp owners and just do a lot of good things. So I want to take a second just to acknowledge you for that because I'm so so grateful. That's very nice of you. Thank you very much. And the feelings mutual. I love the book. Man, Man Up is such a good book. <laughs> I listened to that while I was painting and drywalling my garage and I realized hmm, I'm not happy and I had to go change a lot of stuff. So that was really, really cool. So I appreciate everything you guys do too. Totally. Well, my friend, thank you so much. And audience, I know you got a ton of value and uh, just want to read it one more time. Assuming that you did, go ahead and give us a like and a subscribe on YouTube and then write us an awesome review on iTunes that would help us help you be able to continue to provide this content for free. So that's all uh, for today. Steve, thanks again, my friend. It's awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks, Bryce.